of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. That is coming right up on 0200 Zulu. If you're into that whole thing, it is Sons of Liberty Live, episode 62, back here on the air. And it is very good to be back with all of you out there. It's been quite some time since we have done a live show, uh, several weeks now. Several weeks now, and I've had a lot of you reach out. Hey, you know, what's going on with the live show? Like, look, uh, as everybody knows, full-time trainer, full-time writer, full-time uh, husband, father, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it, it it's one of those things that when the training calendar is booked up, I'm going to be putting a priority on that. So, um, love doing the live shows, love being with you, but sometimes other things take priorities. The past few weeks, we've been really focused on doing a lot of training. Had K down here, uh, combat studies group, um, had, uh, the ground rod one and two courses, uh, previous to that, the scout courses were up here, uh, scout and recce and, um, just, just had a, a heck of a lot that was going on a heck of a lot that was going on, but a really good time, really good time. And a uh, big shout out to Kay. We are definitely going to be linking up again in September slash October timeframe. He's going to be coming out because there was a lot of you that were trying to get into ground rod one and two and just couldn't make the timeline work for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, hey, that that's that's OK. The class um, was huge. It, it was huge by everybody's estimation. I told him, I said, hey, man, you know, when you're coming out here, you better expect to have a big class because, um, you know, a lot of people want your course material. They want your training. You have such a, a an incredible reputation out west and you haven't been on the East Coast for a long time. So, uh, you know, expect a very warm welcome. And he definitely got it. And uh, that class was just an overwhelming success. Heck of a lot of fun. And I uh, was really, really excited to have him out here. <clears throat> and we, we, man, I'll tell you what, that was a lot of fun and, and uh, very productive for me as well. Of course, I was behind the scenes struggling to stay on top of emails we got the web store launched, finally kicked out the door, and the first couple weeks now are down. 
on it. And it, it's been performing extremely well. And because of that, because of that, shirts, 10% off sale on all shirts is going to be going. And uh, who knows, I may extend that a bit longer just, just because this audience, this community, um, the warm reception that, that we have received um, and, and, you know, the, getting those products out the door, it's out the door, getting the shirts out there, getting the whiskey grails, getting the whiskey grails, which I have a few left. I have a few left. They have been, um, hot sellers and, uh, I've got a little bit of, uh, Abelor in the whiskey grail and you're not. By the way, you're, you're not isolated to just drinking whiskey out of it, okay? Um, goes really well with red wine, so I am told. I'm not much of a wine drinker, but uh, goes well with red wine. Goes well with tequila. Uh, if you get a good Resposado tequila in there, it is it is absolutely marvelous with that. Rum, of course, is a wonderful pairing with one of these. And, of course, your favorite scotch, your favorite bourbon. Um, what have you, uh, Tennessee whiskey, if you're, if you're into that, um, uh, a little, little harsh for me, but, um, anyway, I know everybody in the state of Tennessee just got real offended by that, but, uh, anyhow, anyhow, with all of that said, definitely check it out. Brushbeater.store. That is brushbeater.store. And uh, a lot of good products over there. We've got new products that are going to be coming in very soon. Of course, Virginia Minuteman in the comments section saying we need a uh, sniper at work T-shirt. Of course, the, the old uh, sniper at work IRA sign from the Belfast Sniper Brigade. Of course, very, very infamous. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, that's that's coming. Not going to give a hard date on that. Just going to surprise you, but it's coming and it's coming soon. And uh, I think you're 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 going to really really like it. But right now, Freedom Fighter shirt, Freedom Fighter shirt is the new one. Of course, has a uh, Kalashnikov across the front, has Freedom Fighter emblazed on the front of it, a lot like uh, Urban Graffiti. You know, because it kind of represents the underground of where we come from, right? Where we are coming from, where, uh, you know, I started all this kind of, you know, in, in the deep, dark corner of the Internet, kind of the whole underground movement still is underground. And, and look at what we've done. We have done this as a community, as a movement. We've got together and look at what we have done. Made this podcast number one. All right. Made it number one. We took on the censors, all right? We took on the censors. We hit them head to head. The results that this community has produced is undeniable, all right? Shooting to number one. We're back to number one today, today, topping Daily Wire, topping Mark Levin, topping some of the biggest names out there, and we are at the top we are number one and that's something that as a community you need to be very proud of i am proud of this not because anything i've done because i'm just one man all right 
I'm proud of this community because this community, you guys spreading the word out there is a grassroots movement, putting all of these things in motion, opening so many doors, opening so many eyes, opening so many minds. That's what we've been able to do. And that's what we have done. That's what we're going to continue to do because that's what the mission is right now, right now. Of course, a whole lot tonight as I am waiting for my partners in crime to get in here. Not sure where they are. Not sure where they are, but uh, we'll give them a few minutes to get in here. I know that Joe Dolio is 100% going to be in here because I talked with him, Madman Actual, and Johnny Paratrooper as well. So we're just kind of waiting on them to make their way in. But I want to kind of recap right now while while we've got things live on the air. I want to kind of recap of um, kind of the, the last week. And, and I want to give a big thanks to this community for you know, not getting out there, not taking the bait, not doing anything dumb and keeping it sane. I think the overwhelming majority of folks on the right have learned by now that there's really not a lot that can be gained in a positive direction from going out to quote unquote protests and, you know, all these, these public necessarily that they shouldn't do that. Okay. You, you know, you, you have a right to, but understand that that's only going to get you so far. Okay. And, and I've been pointing this out consistently. Longtime followers of mine know that I've, I've been pointing this out very over the years. Okay. Over the years when the, um, the Richmond thing, uh, the, the, getting together and they had this big giant love in right you know it stood around they had the big fat dude that you know was carrying a barret around with his you know helmet like like john wayne or something you got all these guys that are running around in tactical gear and stuff you know and i was calling this out before any of that stuff ever happened you know and 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 that didn't do me any favors in this community Right, that didn't do me any favors. I got a lot of hate mail from that. I got a lot of people accusing me. Oh, oh you, you just don't want people doing anything. No, boomer. No, no. It's because there's absolutely nothing to be gained because I know the tools that are being employed against you out there, and I'm pointing out that this is this is not a smart thing to do. Okay, so if you want to do it right and you want to win over people of influence. To your side, that's not how you go about it. Okay, that that's, that is not how you do that. And so, uh, but that that is what it is. You know, move down the road a little ways. Um, you know, th- then you you know you, you come up on January sixth, and I was telling people, and and you know, I know plenty of people that went. Okay, I know plenty of people that went. I had one friend. Um, you know, who's, who's been a student of mine. He's a friend of mine. 
and he is a diehard American. And I'm going to tell you something, um, as, as the, the son of second generation immigrants coming to America who fled communism, you know, he, he is as diehard American as he gets, uh, and, and, and the promise of America and, and, you know, the statements that were made by Maximo Alvarez, um, you know, there's nowhere else to go. And, and he told me, he said, look, I have to go up there. Hey, man, I get it. I get it. Okay. But I wasn't wrong when I was pointing out what was going to occur. All right. It was a giant setup from the beginning. All right. It was a giant information scraping activity. It played right into the hands of the left. It played right into the hands of of deep state it played right into their hands and of course you know from the proud boys case which julie kelly has been covering uh in depth what we're seeing right now the the uh, multiple misgivings of the fbi uh the the absolute shameful conduct uh on their part you know we're we're entering a very dangerous time where the the people who are entrusted by the public to enforce our laws are not upholding the laws themselves. And they have some very powerful tools at their hands, uh, at their fingertips, which are becoming ever more powerful every day. All right. So this, this is, uh, it, and it's one of those things that if you're not staying on top of this stuff, it's very difficult for people to wrap their minds around. Okay. Um, it is very, very difficult for people to wrap their minds around a lot of this, especially people who a lot of the technology is to be, to be quite honest, it's beyond their, their level of comprehension. I, I totally get it. man. I totally get it. You know, but your voice needs to be heard obviously, and it needs to be heard in more meaningful ways. And that's been the benchmark of the show. That's been the benchmark of my teachings. That's been the benchmark of my writings. That has been, you know, the, the whole thing from, from top to bottom has been focused on local action, right? Because I know look like, okay, I, I know what they look like and I know how difficult it is to try and take those insurgencies down. And I also know what wrong looks like because I was at the pointy end of that. All right. I was there. We took out the low hanging fruit. Don't be the low hanging fruit. It's really that simple. And so that brings us to the present. You know, you have uh, former president Donald Trump who is asking folks who was asking folks over on truth social on his social media platform, which, you know, I don't have a presence on, um, to, to be fair, I just don't have the time for it. Okay. I just don't have the time for it. And, uh, anyway, he, he was calling on people to protest, uh, especially in New York. Um, you know, look, is he being railroaded? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he is. But I don't think that anybody with a brain thought that when he left the White House, when he abdicated that power on January 6th, back to the deep state, okay, when he relinquished that back to D.C., 
that they were not going to use every tool at their disposal, no matter what the legality is behind it, to put him in prison. They were not going to stop. Okay, they're not going to stop. Ruin his children. They want to ruin everything in an effort front of you is what you will accept hook line and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell will speak for the Republican Party. And the left will speak for the left. And that will be that. All right? Now take your shot and wave your Ukrainian flag. And don't you dare think for yourself. And don't you ever try to challenge us again. That is the message. That is the message that they were going with. That is the message they are continuing to go with. And it's not just for you and I, right? It's not just for you and I, because, you know, we, at, at some point when this show goes away and when, you know, at, at some, you know, un, unknown point in the future, right? Last Sunday when I was at church, minister giving a sermon said, we, we have what we have for a brief moment in time. And then we just give it all up to God. We hand it off to somebody else, right? At a time that may or may not be of our choosing. He's exactly right. There's a lot of wisdom in that statement, right? So at some unknown time, when we are no longer here, right? When, when this podcast no longer is around, when, you know, or life's work, it has come to a close. They want whoever comes next to not stand up, to not stand in the gap, to not carry on, right? That's what they want. That's what they want. They want to instill that fear, right? You have to do it. That's why I encourage so many people to get up, to get out there, to make their voice be heard. But you have to do it in a meaningful way. And you have to do it at the local most level. That's how we do it. That's how we continue to do it, folks. And um, fortunately, fortunately, uh, you know, the indictments, whatever this clown show is going on with this, this prosecutor in Manhattan, this brag guy, um, and, you know, Letitia James and uh, the uh, uh, Megan Rice and, you know, the, the whole cast of clowns that, that are uh, prosecuting this case. You know, whatever the outcome is of it, I want to point out something. And this isn't a slight at Trump for sure, um, because, you know, hey, it is what it is. He, he is looking like. He's going to be the primary candidate again. I definitely am not a fan of him lashing out 
at at some of the other candidates who are are doing very good things in the field, uh, namely Mike or um, well Mike Pompeo as well. He hasn't attacked him yet, but uh, Ron DeSantis at, at the the top of the heap. I'm not a fan of that. All right, I'm not a fan of that. It, it's the divisiveness is is uncalled for. However, however, you know what needs to be remembered right now is that we still have political prisoners. Okay, we still have political prisoners here in the United States. They're being held from January six. Right. This this is a critical thing to understand. Where is the legal defense fund for them? Where is the public statements of support for them? Where is the calling on uh, Congress to open investigations into misconduct on part of the Capitol Police? The Capitol Police, by the way, answer. Kevin McCarthy. He's currently the Speaker of the House. Why? To build his bridges. Sure. Okay. Okay. Where is it? Where is Trump on all this? Right. And all it would do, all it would take is a statement. Okay. That's all it would take. And he hasn't done it. All right. He hasn't done it. Now, other other figures they have. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, all it would take is a statement. So I'm getting a, a message from some of you that, that uh, my audio is in and do is I'm going to take five seconds, uh, five seconds of silence, uh, because I'm going to switch my connection real quick. We're going to wait one. This is probably why I can't see, uh, our guests in here as well. All right, and I am back. Get a quick radio check. Where are my co-hosts right now? Nobody is in here. This is interesting. This is certainly interesting. All right, Bo Diggity, many thanks, man. In the comments section, you can hear me. All right, open country, people are. uh, All right, all right. Well, if I don't get my co-hosts in here, this might end up being a, a shorter show than normal. That'll be okay. That'll be all right. All right. That's that's fine. I'll just do the show that I was planning on doing tomorrow anyway. Uh, so, ha, 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 joke's on you, right? And we'll do it live so that, that uh, all of you out there will know that when I say, <laughs> Bo Diggity in the comments, fuck them, talk to us. Hell yeah, man. 
Hell yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it live. Uh, so no, uh, all of you out there will know that I'm not bullshitting when I say I literally record the episodes live, do very, very minimal editing and post them up. Uh, so, you know, that's, you, you, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna get to know, uh, you know, how, how I roll, how I rock and roll. Uh, so anyhow, um, get back to the whole Trump situation though. He didn't, he didn't make a public statement. Okay. He never made a public statement really in support of, of January 6th. Um, the January 6th political prisoners, detainees that have been held in absentia, right? Um, they're being held without due process. And, uh, you know, here it is, you know, so while, and, and it's a very polarizing thing. Like people, people like to be polarized out there. They, they like the, the, you know, Pepsi or Coke, Mountain Dew or Mellow Yellow, right? McDonald's, Burger King, or like they, they, they like to be polarized. We, we like that adversarial nature of things in, in America for some reason. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but we, we just like that. We like that dichotomy, Republican versus Democrat, right? Um, of course, you, you never get to talk to the franchise owner, right? You, you never, you, you know, you, you never, ever, ever get to talk to the franchise owner, but that's another conversation. Um, all, all together. Big Robbie Rob says, Mellow Yellow, hashtag cold trickle. That's right. That is right. Somebody somebody remembers Days of Thunder. Uh, the classic, right? The absolute classic. So um, my point is, though, with all that, it is where I'm going with this is nobody lost their heads. Nobody got out there. There were a lot of people who were very vociferous online about, uh, you know, hey, guys, um, staying home, this Trump indictment thing, you know, hey, man, it, it, it is what it is. They're not walking away. All right. And, and it's created all sorts of uh, argument against back and forth, a bunch of different media personalities out there. Uh, some I like, some, you know, take them and leave them whatever. I mean, it is what it is, but the point is, the point is, is that when Trump abdicated that power, okay, they were never going to stop coming after him. And I don't think he understood that. I really don't think that he understood that. Um, you know, the, the tenfold hat crowd, the Q and, and all that, you know, Hey, whatever, man, we're going to sidestep this shit. You know, point is, is that there was an expectation and then there was reality. Um, so, you know, people not getting out there, not losing their minds, not doing stupid things, not falling for the trap, not being enticed by the the uh, the khaki wearers uh, wearing wearing matching khakis and, and blue jackets. Um, you know, I guess old Navy was having a sale when and they got all their stuff at the same place. But uh, anyhow, anyhow, I digress. But congratulations on that. Focus locally, right? Work on what you can do locally. Okay, work on what you can do locally. Work on the power structure locally. 
mean, it's one of the big strengths of the left is, is that they, um, they, they get together, they have unity, even though internally they have a lot of dissent, a lot of fractions and, and you know, uh, uh, serious levels of, of fracturing among them, among their base, but they don't show that out. Like they, there's no outward showing of that. You know, you, when when people on the right look at the left, they see a unified message and a unified structure. Right. This is what they see. This is what they observe. And we have a very hard time with that because we're, you know, the, I, I explained to some people in class uh, not that long ago that conservatives are, if we were looking at it from a, a strictly sociological model, we're structural functionalists, meaning that uh, we exist within society's structures because it benefits us. And that's how we categorize and make sense of the social order. Okay. Conservatives generally uh, understand and respect their, their station in life. Um, libertarians, not necessarily so much, but th that's a different conversation. Uh, but conservatives generally respect their station in life because it, it benefits them. Um, you know, and, and they're, they're also not prone to seeing some of the problems that are erupting in, in, in the social order. Um, you know, that's where conflict theory comes in. And, and that's where you find most folks on the left, because conflict theory is, is primarily understanding uh, Karl Marx and Antonio Gramsci and uh, a, a lot of your communists out there. Right. And so I'm, I'm kind of diving into to, uh, academia land over here. But it's important to understand that. So when you have structural functionalists who are, you know, representing uh, the, the conservative side of the spectrum and they don't see a problem, but they're also uh, tragically married to this idea that there is structure in all things. That's not necessarily so. And, and that's the reason that conservatives out there, you know, especially in the media, a lot of the pundits, we really like to point to George Soros as the source of everything. And that's a problem. Okay. Cause it, is he a financier of, of a lot of problematic things? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, North South on that. Abs, absolutely. But is he the causal factor? No. Okay. No. And that is an important distinction. You know, you need to look around your community to understand, hey, you know, like th this, this is the problem here. The, the problem is what is emerging in the communities in which we live. How do you mitigate that? And so that's why when you have folks who are, you know, influxing from other areas, we'll say, you know, here in North Carolina, got a lot of people coming from Washington State, got a lot of people coming from Oregon, got a lot of people who are coming from California and they come in. And they bring their voting habits with them because they didn't relocate out here because this is somehow a freer state, right? That's, that's not why they relocated out here. They relocated out here for the tech jobs and the tech sector and the fact that real estate is, is very, very cheap. That's why, or at least comparatively speaking to, to where they came from, that's why they come out here. Okay. What do they do once they come out here? They begin to field their own candidates. 
They appeal for funding for those candidates from places like the Tides Foundation. I said places like, I didn't say specifically just the Tides Foundation because there's a lot of these. Okay, there are a lot of these slush funds that are throwing money at candidates at the local most level. Conservatives, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? You know, I was doing some some digging on uh, a few of the SRA accounts that are floating around out there, the Socialist Rifle Association, and they were all asking for money. They were all asking for money through uh, GoFundMe. And that is the thing, okay? That is what they're doing because where's all this money going, all right? What do you think they're doing with it? Buying ammo, getting training, right? There's, there is an objective there, okay? They're also fielding their own candidates. This is very much a, a three-way dance. This is something I talked about um, sometime back, and, and I'm coming to tonight's topic. Uh, so I, I talked about this sometime, and, you know, when, when the Antifa riots were the the writing was kind of on the wall in atlanta like this was going to be a thing okay and and here we are it is a thing it's not calming down it's kind of you know died down for a little bit right now it's going to flare back up you know we're getting into the springtime things are warming up the you know everything is in bloom and it's getting into the fighting season as we used to call it in iraq and afghanistan right getting into the killing season. So we need to look at it from that model, the model of an insurgency here in the United States, because that is exactly what it is. All right. That is exactly what it is. That is the direction that we're headed. That I think is, is exactly where we are. And we have a new incarnation of Antifa, by the way. Um, it, it kind of came and went. So the, Antifa 1.0, and this is something I've talked about for years now, is Antifa 1.0 in the United States was a product of uh, German anarchists and communists who had relocated to the Rojava region of Syria, which is uh, Kurdish. It's, it's, It's part of Kurdistan. And, you know, the People's Worker Party, uh, the People's Protection Units, right? This this is the politics of the Kurds or communists. Now, they're not necessarily, uh, you know, let's export communism to the world kind of people. It's it's more of a, uh, a guiding philosophy for uh, nationalism for them, right? And a unifying identity, and so they're not they're not extremely militant in the sense that. Uh, not not like what you get in other places, not like Khmer Rouge uh, style militancy, um, you know, or the, the you know, or Chinese Communist Party uh, at the height of the, the cultural uh, revolution. Not anything like that. Uh, not anything like that. So in, anyhow, and I, I say that as somebody who is, is very well versed on, on the Kurds and Kurdish people. Uh, so anyhow. Anyhow, where I'm going with that is, is that the Germans first occupied there. They, they stood it up. They took international volunteers. They stood up an international brigade. They used very similar language to what um, 
uh, was used in the Spanish Civil War with the international brigades that, that were brought in to fight on the side of, of the communists. And they were fighting ISIS, right? And there was a, a very effective propaganda campaign that came out of that that was well-funded. Um, it, they utilized Rolling Stone, who was uh, a, a very willing accomplice uh, with that as well. And, you know, they also uh, had the, the famous series that Vice News put on uh, called Fighting ISIS, which was an extremely effective example of propaganda. Um, so then they started taking volunteers from the United States, right? And the way that it was kind of framed to the American people was that, you know, you had all these these former dot mill guys, uh, veterans, and a lot of Iraq veterans didn't have a whole lot else going for them. And they're going to go over there and they're going to join the fight. And I, I mean, I personally knew some of the people that, that went over there uh, in, in different ways, right? And, you know, some of them since returned, some of them a lost contact with, hey, man, it is what it is, right? It's all life. But a lot of your uh, foreign volunteers that were going over there, the ones who, and some of them, some of them had military backgrounds and, and were leftists. And and you know, I worked with a few guys. I've talked about that in the past. But the uh, a lot of your volunteers were young idealists who maybe were kind of tap dancing in, into the the left side of of the political spectrum. Um, you know, maybe just got done with their undergrad and, you know, didn't really know what the next step was. And they're going over there because it seems like you're fighting for a noble cause, right? And everybody wants to go and, and they instantly want to be a cool guy. And that, that lifestyle, the, the, uh, the gorilla chic, if you will, um, you know, of that, like in, in American culture, we love the story of that underdog. Right, the underdog fighter, that man against the world. Right, I, I love those stories too. I mean, that, that's you know, that's 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 my thing. But they bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. They go over there, they get indoctrinated because the left, the militant left, stood up a school, and at that time, it was favorable for them to do so. And so, when those veterans began coming back in 2015. We saw the entry phase of Antifa. That's when it began. All right. That's when it began. Well, that came and went because you got to understand that at the street level for them, a lot of the young guys who were coming back that were, you know, early to mid 20s, they had their moment. They got out there. They were rabble rousers, right? Some of them, some of them graduated to the next phase of being a revolutionary. Most of them, and we need to look at this from a criminology model because it's, this is a crime control model here, right? Counterinsurgency is, is just crime control applied in a, a slightly different way. But a lot of them either return to graduate school where they're more focused on their studies, right? 2015 was what it was, came and went. 2016 was what it was, came and went. The ones who aged out of it, just like aging out of crime, okay? You have a certain level of criminality that occurs at the street level 
And then, you know, you don't you don't see 40 year olds getting rolled up for tagging the street corner with graffiti. Like you, you just don't see that. All right. Why? Because it's immature. They're, they're not doing that anymore. And, and the handful of people that are doing that at 40 years old, there's something wrong with them. Right. There's something wrong with them. Well, the, the same is for literally any other crime. Right. Those those guys, the, the young idealists, you know, they they had kids. They, they started to get um, structure in their life, whether they wanted it or not. And they began to age out and they began to jump into other things. And they had to settle down because that's that's social bonds theory, actually, which is a uh, crime control theory out there. It's a, a pretty well-known one that social bonds, the, the more bonds you have with society, the less crime you're going to commit because you don't want to risk breaking those bonds. Right. So Antifa 1.0 began ad, uh, aging out. Right. They began aging out. Some of them stuck around. Some of them continued to do what they do. They formed the cadre for the next generation. Well, bam, you've got Ukraine kicking off, right? Just a few years down the road. Now, Ukraine had, had uh, kicked off in, in 2014. That was the beginning of it with, with uh, Donbass, right? Begins to calm down. It was kind of at a stalemate. It was a very uh, low-level insurgency at that point, back and forth. Um, then all of a sudden, with the Russian invasion, now they have a cause. They have another one. And now we have a new generation that is taking up arms, that's going out there. And the bulk of them are not originally combat vets, right? The bulk of them are going over there as war tourists to get that training and bring it back. And we know that this is occurring. And so now what we're seeing is a shift in the language. We're seeing a, a more militancy on their part, um, much more professional, right? They're much more professional in scope. They're much more brazen in scope too. And that's why going into the next couple of years, this is going to get much more dangerous than it is right now. All right. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, this is where I'm going with this with, with the RICO laws, is that now we're beginning to see guys who are um, well-trained coming out of the United States military who are beginning to show up in different capacities that are that are training these guys. All right. Um, now, a lot of them are young. A lot of them are uh, not combat experienced, but they went in to the military to get a certain level of experience. You know, some of them were just searching for whatever, uh, whatever structure in their life, um, you know, and, and didn't find it or did find it. But they, they weeded themselves out one way or another. And we've got a really good example here of this guy in Atlanta. All right. In Atlanta. This is the uh, the VP of Atlanta Media Nonprofit Unmasked as Violent Extremist Antifa member who's organizing an armed militancy camp. All right, so this cat's name is uh, Sewell, and uh, you know he he's got some salty language here, uh, a lot of a lot of imagery, you know, great unwashed kind of dude. He was running a Twitter account, uh, ATL anti-fascists um 
you know, and and he has since deleted this account. Now, all this was up on the Post Millennial. This is Andy Knows work, and uh, who who is just doing a, a uh, incredible job of keeping track of all this uh, of these militants that are getting out there, right? So, this guy, um, why is he significant? All right, all right. So he's on. He's running a quote unquote armed militancy camp. All right. Um, Let's talk about this. So, dude's name is River Michael Lee Les Sewell, uh, 25. So, he's falling right into that age bracket that I was talking about. Right? He's falling right into that age bracket that I was discussing. Right? He's right there. And he's repeatedly boasted about using his prior experience in the United States Armed Forces to teach his, far, his fellow far-left radicals how to inflict violence on those uh, with opposing points of view. Namely, anybody who supports the city's new police training facilities. So he is the guy that has been, um, at least in some capacity, training them, getting them out there, right? And so now what it's looking like, now what it's looking like, and this is going back to uh, 2022, he posted a rap music video, which you know, I ain't bothering to, to listen to that crap. But uh, posted a rap music video on YouTube titled "Civil Disobedience." Yeah, he's just trying to be—he's just trying to be Rage Against the Machine. They did it better. Um, but, but anyway, um, you know, it, it's it, what's important here is not that, but the lyrics call for civil disobedience, seizing the means of production, which is the the core statement of, of Marxist ideology. Uh, and fighting neoliberal corruption. Oh, oh, and that is the key point right there. I've been saying all along that it's a three-way dance, okay? Antifa, all the, the various arms, Socialist Rifle Association, um, you know, Redneck Revolt, which is, is kind of defunct now. Uh, because they got into a tiff with with John Brown Gun Club, and that was kind of a nasty back and forth between them. But SRA is kind of really taking up the reins there. Um, they are not happy with liberals, right? With with quote unquote liberals, right? They they don't like them at all. They in fact they see them as an obstacle to their revolution, all right? So what we consider to be the hard left in governance, they consider to be their enemy, just as much as they consider us on the right and libertarians, conservatives, to be their enemy as well, because we're obstacles to the communist revolution. So why is this cat important? You know, all right, he's a former soldier. Okay, whatever. There's a lot of former soldiers that are out there. I mean, whatever, right? Except, except that he just so happened to have served in the 75th. Now, you know, I ain't get out there. I ain't dig too deep into this guy because I really don't care. Um, you know, likelihood of him really doing a whole lot, probably slim, but, you know, because things have drawn down and obviously he's out now. Um, you know, he might have done a rotation in Syria, maybe, um, maybe. But, that's not really the point, all right? The point is, is that he has a level of discipline and a level of experience and a level of determination that he's proven, if if for no other reason, he's proven it to himself that he can put up with some shit, 
All right. He can put up with, with something. He knows that, that if, um, he applies his training and knowledge to an objective, he can get to it. All right. And most importantly, above all else, he can instill that in an effective training program to others. That's really, really important. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, you know, hey, you run a training company, don't you do the same thing? Yeah, I do. All right, yeah, I do. Point is, is that I'm over about what I'm doing, right? That's number one. You know, it's, it's all above board. And, you know, hey, I'm not telling you to go out and do nothing crazy other than protect your communities. Protect yourselves right? Because these people are militants. We know what they're doing and they lie. They lie continuously. They lie to themselves. They lie to society. They continue to lie. They're the ones who are going out committing sabotage. They're the ones who are going out and attacking churches. They're the ones who are going out and attacking people who are taking up the First Amendment rights. They're attacking them. They're attacking them, calling them calling them their enemy. And they're advocating for the communist overthrow of the United States government. It's not what patriots are doing. It's not what we're doing at all. We exist as a function of it, in support of it. But the point is, is not any of that. It's not to, to draw a comparison. It is to point out that this is entering its second phase of militancy that is much, much more dangerous than its first phase. And you need to be taking that seriously. I always assume that my adversaries are at least as well-trained and as dangerous as I am. That way I never lose my edge. They're proving it to you. They're telling you. They are telling you, do you understand yet? Do you understand? Are you taking this seriously? And they want a communist revolution in the United States. And they're going to get it. They're going to get it. By hook or by crook. Because let me remind you something. And then I'm going to open it up to my, my colleagues here. That... In the 1970s, early to mid-1970s, the outgrowth of the 60s uh, hippie movement, the, the anti-war uh, counterculture, gave way to uh, the, the SLA and um, you know the Weather Underground, most famously, but a lot of these different militant groups right, that, that splintered off from the main entity of, of the counterculture. Right. They, they went in their various directions, but they they saw the main um, the, the main liberal establishment that served as the counterculture as being not radical enough. Right. They're, they're, they're not creating the results that we want. And so. They began a campaign of violence where they all go. The ones that survived ended up in academia and ended up in places of influence. Now, there was a lot of reasons for that that are highly controversial, but that's beside the point, all right? But that is where they ended up, and they groomed the next generation. William Ayers groomed Barack Obama 
to get to where he got. Okay. And when this generation, however this stuff pans out, however this stuff pans out, this generation, Antifa 2.0, because Antifa 1.0 is already being groomed to be the next generation in academia and in positions of influence and in positions of governance, which we are seeing right now. This next generation, where are they going to end up? Where are they going to end up? Just a few years down the road. We are just a few years down the road from it. If we are seeing the weaponization of law right now through the politicization of our judicial system, which it's it's indisputable that, that we're there now, where are we going to be five years down the road? So they're pursuing RICO charges against this guy. I don't think that that's going to stick. Um, I don't think that that's going to stick. But there, there's certainly other things. But uh, RICO is an interesting one that, that's being pursued. But the, the liberals, at least in some capacity in governance, recognize that Antifa is now this, this creature that they have created they're beginning to see that they can't manage it the way that they thought they could, that they assumed that they could. And so we're entering a very dangerous phase here, all right? And the core cadre of the militant left is beginning to realize that they're not going to get ahead, that they don't have the top cover that they thought they had coming out of the established left in the United States government and in the state governments and the local governments. So what are they going to do next? All right. Like I've been saying, it's very much a three-way dance. And this is one that you need to be taking very seriously. We can talk about international affairs. Talked about that for you know a couple hours last night on uh, Privy Council. That was all great content. I encourage you to listen to it. But domestically, here at home, this is the thing that you really need to pay very very close and very careful attention to you because I'm telling you they are going to act. So anyway, now that I've done literally an entire show, the entire show that I'd planned on doing tomorrow, but we did tonight because my esteemed co-hosts in here, were just a little late getting to the table. Now all of you know that I totally do pretty much an entire show live, minimal editing, and here it is. So now that, that all of you have borne witness to that, you've heard it. So whenever I have people ask me in class, they're like, man, do you do you write anything out before you do a show? You can just talk for like an hour straight. Yeah, I can. I totally can. I got the gift. I got that gift. So my friend, my fellow warrior, my partner in crime, Man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Joe Dolio of Tax. What's up, man? Greetings. How are you? I'm here. Man, I, uh, <laughs> I would have been on earlier, but I've been gone all day, and I had to bring Mama a pizza. Oh. And quite frankly, she's better looking than you and more dangerous than you, so she won. As she should be. Did you get it from Jets? No, not tonight. I, I I was lazy. I just grabbed a little Caesars on the way. So, ah, little Caesars. But little Jets Caesars. is the stuff, man. That's good stuff. 
Jet, Jets is. We have one in North Carolina. Did I tell you? Yeah, that? we should have we had some the, uh, the other week. but Dude, it wouldn't have been good by the time it, it got there. It's all the way down in Raleigh. I mean, it's – Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, well. Anyway, hey, uh, I didn't. I just wanted to get in there and say preach a couple times while you were going. That was a great, <laughs> great monologue. Uh, I think you covered most of it. I think our work here is done. Um, but uh, I will say this: um, I was at the well, March for Our Lives today, where yeah, Davy Hogg was supposed to appear, but he didn't. Um, but they were all wearing Trump is guilty shirts. What that has to do with gun control, I don't know. Um, but I got up on stage and gave my first political speech today and it was very well received. So good, good times. Good. Care to care to offer a recap? Um, yeah. Uh Michigan is is attempting to pass some unconstitutional gun laws. So I got up there and I talked about they would really like you to be dependent upon them for your security. And the answer to that should always be self-reliance. So don't comply. Uh, get out there and, and do things uh, following your, your state or your federal constitution uh, and, and refuse to be dependent upon them for anything, food, security, medical care. Uh, be self-reliant. Have your own networks. Have your own people. Uh, like you always say, start local and build your own network. Then they can't force you to do things. Uh, if you disarm and you let them tell you when you can or can't leave your home, they get to control whether you live or die, whether you eat, and whether they come and help you when you have a problem. Don't let them do that. Don't let them win. And so uh, I pointed out to the crowd that the Michigan Constitution actually goes farther than the U.S. Constitution on gun rights. The Michigan Constitution says that each person has the right to keep and bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. So if I'm going to defend the state, I have to have military-grade weapons. I can't have a single-shot shotgun. I can't have a bolt-action rifle and defend the state. So no matter what they pass, it's unconstitutional and ignore it. Yeah, oh, 100%, man. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing, too. When you, you take groups like, uh, you know, the SRA – uh, Antifa, John Brown Gun Club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, here in North Carolina, we got NC Born uh, building our revolution now, which is one of the. Uh, they started out as a black nationalist group, and and now they they kind of um, all over everywhere uh, in terms of, of who they're attracting to the table. But um, you know, they're they're not advocating disarmament. Right. They, they, they're fully on board with it because they want us disarmed, but they ain't going to lay down their arms. They, that's, that's not going to happen. You that's know? exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll say this too, like for all the conservatives out there that, um, there is a, a, a meme that's been going around the past couple of years. I think it's hilarious where, uh, they're like, uh, got the, the, Patriot dude that's getting choked out by the trans guy, and then you know the BLM guy, and it's it's like, but I support your right to be armed. Like, look, dude, you know you don't understand. They want to murder you. It's it's it, it is what it is. I mean, straight up, that's that's all they want. Yeah, yeah. 
the way I look if you at don't it, believe it go look at the look at the leftist threads related to the potential for a donald trump arrest they want you dead they, they want you dead man they want you dead i look at it like this man like like you know general chang from uh star trek six yeah and christopher Plummer. The, we quoting Shakespeare and he's got his eye patch drilled into his skull, you know, and he's, you know, you, you do prefer it this way, don't you? Warrior to warrior. And I do, um, you know, that that's it because the reality is, is, is this is what they want. This, this is what they're working towards, right? They, they've, the, the liberals have successfully captured the institutions and the communists were fooled into believing and they, they're waking up to the reality of this, by the way. But they, they were fooled into believing that they had the top head cover to go ahead with, with their communist revolutionary activities. But that's not the case because neoliberals are just the other side of the coin of big business. This is this is where, you know, what, what some out there call woke capitalism, uh, which is not really a thing, but the Guerrilla Dispatch Volume 2, we're going to be talking about that in the very first article i've got a a rather uh uh pointed essay that i think a lot of you are going to be enjoying and that that's going to be coming out uh first week of april and i'm doing my final edit right now so uh really really excited to get this one kicked out the door but i wrote a banger of a piece for the beginning of that it ended up being like 10 pages long um so it's it's gonna be good stuff got really gonna make you think they're really going to make you think, but uh, the left, the militant left, they they want a war in the United States. They want a war against the United States to overthrow it, right? But they also they they want us gone. That's no doubt about it, right? There's, there's well, no I'll tell you, if you go back and and look at my earliest blog posts at tactical-wisdom.com, and you'll see my my reporting from inside their own protests. And I said, you know, the, the media keeps telling you that that they're they're all anti Donald Trump. No, they're anti Joe Biden too. They're they're anti United States. They literally want a Marxist revolution, and nothing short of that is going to work. So when they tell you, oh well, they won, they got that their boy in. They don't like him either. They want a a socialist revolution, Marxist revolution. Yep. Yeah, that's that's all it is. You know, them they they don't care what they put Trump in prison for. They, they don't care what it's for. It's just the fact that, that they're doing it. Trump is guilty. What is he guilty of? doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter. And as soon as they get away with that, it'll be DeSantis, right? It'll be Carrie Lake. It'll be name any other Republican politician, right? They, they've done this to Mark Robinson. All right, they, here in North Carolina, they're doing it to Mark Robinson. They they have been trying. They have come after him, fighting tooth and nail. And if they could find dirt on him, they would have got it already. Right? Mark's a good man. He's a good man. And he's going to be the next governor of the great state of North Carolina as well. Right? But um, he's got a tough fight. He's got a tough fight because uh, Shapiro, um, or uh, Stein, rather, Stein, Josh Stein, I was thinking of uh, another attorney general, but um, Stein, you know, our, our current state attorney general, he is, it, it's, he, he's got a tough fight ahead of him. Uh, so, you know, he, he is, he is very, very popular on the left. 
and um, here in North Carolina, and a lot of the outer staters really love him. I mean, he 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 kind of ran on the uh, platform that appealed to people who have moved here from the West Coast, and um, you know we we've we've seen that. So I am seeing some folks in the comments section. Uh, be prepared, of course. I, I'm not sure I want Trump to run again. I mean, I'm right there with you, man. You know, and and, and you and I have had that conversation. Uh, several of y'all that, that, uh, I, you know, I know personally in the comments section and, and, you know, um, uh, Joe, you and I've had that conversation too. Yep. Where, I agree. You know, I think I'm not going to go so far as to say Trump's damaged goods, but he proved to us what he could do and what he couldn't do. And we already saw what we were getting. And, you know, when we look at, at some of the other people, uh, some of the other candidates in the field, um, you know, I, I mean, I've said this many times, as far as foreign policy goes, there ain't nobody better in the Republican Party right now than Mike Pompeo. Do I agree with him on everything? Nope. Nope. But let me tell you something. The dude is a pit bull. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing with him. He knows how to get shit done with the intelligence agencies He's going to get us back on track, or at least I will say this, he's going to keep the ship from sinking south of our border because he understands that situation. And he was already putting motions in play to regain some favor down there and to get candidates elected that were going to support American interests and, and rebuild that Monroe Doctrine. Right. Um, I'll be it, honest. I think that in order to, to serve as a secretary of state, you should have spent some time at, at CIA or some intelligence agency to learn how it really works. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, Pompeo, I agree on, on that 100 percent because you can't just step into you can't be a Leon Panetta where, you know, you're a product of academia um, you know, Leon Panetta, of course, when he was, he was put in as, as the head of the CIA, he was just a yes, man. I mean, he was, he was just a yes, man for, for, uh, John Brennan and company. Um, but I, I mean, you, you need to understand how the game is played. You need to understand, you know, how Washington functions because you're not going to go up there saying, well, we're going to drain the swamp. And then, you know, be a big shit talker and and then you know not do anything which is that's what trump did i mean again if if he ends up being the candidate obviously i'm gonna support him um but do i think that realistically is a chance of getting reelected? no i don't i don't i don't because until we get to the bottom of the election fraud that occurred repeatedly now repeatedly until we get to the bottom of that, which I, which it doesn't look like we're going to do, um, you know, prospects aren't good, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, Signs point to maybe, right. Uh, we need to resolve that before we could do anything else. And, uh, they're just going to keep on rigging them until they're forced to stop. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Yeah. Well, and I, I think uh, kind of dovetailing what we were talking about last night on the Privy Council, um, the the uh, the elite capture on part of the Chinese is such that they basically have free reign to do whatever they want. All right, 
the Bidens are deeply compromised. Hell, I'll say I I'll, I'll just put it out there. Um, I would be shocked, shocked if both the Russians and the Chinese did not have a mountain of dirt on Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and probably Kevin McCarthy too, right? Probably, let's, let's just be honest. Probably Kevin McCarthy too. This is what they do, right? This is what, this is what an intelligence agency does and the Chinese are very, very fucking good at what they do. All right. The Russians are pretty good at what they do, too. You know, they're not quite as good as, as what I think they're giving credit for. But the Chinese, as far as uh, capture of the institutions, man, dude, they I mean, come on, man. Come on. When you, you follow the money, you follow the finances and then you look at, at how much they own here in the United States. Come on, man. They're a menace and they're not going to go away. And they're just waiting. I think they're just, they're, they're buying their time with, with Taiwan. And I think the, you know, with, with uh, uh, something that was pointed out last night, um, uh, a couple of the co-hosts on there went the, the Kuomintang now, which is the, the Taiwanese nationalist party. I mean, that, that's the party of Chiang Kai-shek. When they're willing to come to the table with, the CCP um, and, and have have talks with them and host them. This isn't a good sign for American foreign policy in the Pacific. You know, this is this. That's why I don't I don't think that it's going to be the the shock and awe invasion that you know we kind of envision that it'll be in the West. It, it's going to be some slow. Um, the Chinese kind of slide in there and, and push the United States out. And the same is going to be true with with Australia. Because Australia's made statements too that that you know, hey, we we're not a hundred percent with the U.S. on all this stuff, and that's after we've committed some subs to them. I mean, because the elite capture in Australia, I, I talk to Australians fairly frequently. It's people that have uh, ordered stuff from me, and I've, I've sent stuff over to them, uh, you know, across the Pacific, and uh, hear hear a lot from from some great folks in Australia. And they they all tell me, man. Hey, the, the fight for liberty over here, uh, Australia's liberal elite is fully in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and and to tell you something else, too, like we've been we I've I personally have made a big deal about Saudi Arabia and Iran coming together and, and kind of meeting at the table and, and talking things out and at least um, having a seat, a temporary ceasing of hostilities. I think would be a good way to describe uh, wh where they are right now, kind of a, a, a detente, right? But one that, that is, I think, even more significant to me than that is the fact that Hanoi and Beijing, and I put this link up last night for anybody that was in uh, the chat on, on the Privy Council, Hanoi and Beijing are now talking again and warming up on relations. And this was something that just a year ago, that wasn't going to happen. Hanoi was reaching out, beating down the doors of the United States. Hey, we will do anything. We want to work with you because we're terrified the Chinese are going to invade us again. And now all of a sudden they're warming up to them. I mean, what changed? What changed? And, and what, what changed was they look at the United States and say, yeah, you know, 
y'all are y'all are not a serious entity. You're not a serious nation. And and this is a very dangerous time in which we're entering because you have a a domestic insurgency that is very real that has been allowed to grow outside of its infancy, and and we're in a lot of trouble, man. Yeah, that surprised me about China and Vietnam. Um, Vietnam was a little upset about the uh, the 1979 invasion, and they still have some ongoing disputes about some islands. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I mean, like everything in Asia, there's a ethnic component to it too. Um, you know, the 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 culturally culturally you, you see some of the strongest levels of xenophobia um you know it, it's pretty strong in the middle east too but uh among among the the different asian populations man it, the xenophobia is strong strong and and it, it's they kind of universally look at the chinese like they they are a malevolent force and and the fact that they're willing to work with them that's a signal to me, at least. I, I know, I, I know several Vietnamese, um, you know, really, really awesome people, and and they have a very deep and long view of, of world history too, which is a, a breath of fresh air. People with, that you talk to from outside the United States frequently do. Um, they have a very like culturally, they have a very long view of history that we just don't get day to day in, in the United States. Like you just, you just don't find it. Uh, so it's a breath of fresh air when you do. And, and I really, really enjoy talking with people from that. They grew up outside the United States because they have a totally different worldview. Right. But um, the fact that they're willing to work with one another and kind of not with the United States is and shifting that quickly. That's a big signal. You know, I don't I don't know if if they really think that that we're going to be around that much longer or that, you know, at a minimum, we're a stable enough trading partner um, and, and partner in the world that, that we're going to be able to be on the same page with them for any length of time. Um, I, I really think that they, they're looking at it. They, they're, they're calling it like they see it. Oh, we got Patriot Man popping in here. Howdy, sir. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I've just been sitting here listening. I got in like, I don't know, like 40 minutes ago. I've just been sitting here listening to y'all spread your wisdom. You just you just popped into the chat. I no, I've been chatting for a while. Have you? Yeah. You, you just popped in now. Listen oh, nice. I don't know. Yeah, no, I've, been there. I've been there for a while. <clears throat> no, but I mean, you don't have to just look at the Vietnam and, and then they're, you know, reimagining potentially of ties with China. Look at Saudi Arabia and Iran, which I'm sure was touched on with the yep. Privy Council yesterday. That is, again, Saudi Arabia was, you know, the ally in the Middle East, and suddenly they found someone new to have diplomat help restore diplomatic ties between the Sunnis and the Shias. And um, it's just, it, I think to your point, they're seeing an America that in its current form will not be along 
or be around for much longer. It'll be much weakened. And I think they're saying it's in their best interest to hitch to the up and cover. And I, I think that, you know, uh, a lot of people downplayed it in the West. Oh, well, whatever. We walk in this breakthrough. I don't think they did because it was a major, major loss of strength, I think, in that region. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, it absolutely is. And the fact that they're they're now uh, calling a ceasefire in Yemen. Yep. I mean, the United States now, now you know, is, is kind of an aside. I haven't really tracked closely a lot of what's gone on in Yemen um, because, you know, I understand the, the Houthis and, you know, kind of I understand what we've been told about the conflict, but I don't understand um, why the United States is involved in it necessarily, aside from connections to Saudi Arabians. But the fact that they, they're now – you know, kind of, kind of letting that cool down because Yemen has been this real quiet war that we've been waging now for about a decade. And it, it's maybe a little bit yeah. longer. And this is something you ain't heard nothing about outside of, you know, like mysterious <clears throat> circles of like former ground branch guys or like GRS and, you know, some of the people that are plugged into like Eric Prince's network and, and, you know, they've been talking about it a little bit. Um, some of the voices on the militant left, like uh, Democracy Now!, for example, ha and uh, Deutsche Welle as well come out of Germany, which uh, Deutsche Welle was the, the old uh, state media of, of um, East Germany by the way, yep. and they're still around. They do some really good documentaries. I mean, it's from the, the left wing of things, for sure, but it's worth paying attention to. Uh, Democracy Now! is very much the same boat. Like, people people don't... Conservatives, I should say, write that stuff off. They say, ah, you know, we, we don't need to pay attention. That's, you know, Democracy Now! They're a bunch of commies. Like, yeah, it is, but there's there's value there. Right. There's a hell of a lot of value there to pay careful attention to look at their language. But they they've actually had pretty good coverage of of the roots of the conflict in Yemen um, in so much that I've seen. But I haven't seen anything really in, in recent years because I haven't been paying careful attention. To yeah, it's, it's kind of stalemated. I mean, from, from my understanding, because I mean, once I think it was and I might get this wrong, I think it was the Houthis who took Sanaa, then it was more like they had the city, the Antis had the hills. Um, I may have that reversed, but I'm pretty sure that's how it was. And it just kind of stagnated, you know, stagnated. And, you know, there was just, every once in a while you'd hear like, you know, some big civilian mass casualty event or this ship was um, sunk or these supplies were delivered, but really it's been off the radar. I mean, 99% of people in this country wouldn't even know it was still going on if they knew it was going on at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I do think it, it is quite the realignment that's coming. And, and I think that it speaks to the weakness. Um, you know, we like to talk about other countries being, paper tigers um you know in, in some respects to that word um we may find ourselves in that very position in the not so distant future
Well, and that uh, the xenophobia thing you were talking about with Asia also applies there. Um, here yeah, in Metro oh, Detroit, yeah. call a call a guy from uh, Lebanon, Yemeni, and see what happens. Right? He gets really mad at you. Dude, I've seen that one. I've I have seen that one. I've seen man in Iraq call a Kurdish guy an Arab. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They don't like it. Shit. Dude, I'm telling you, that's that's a you, you better you better just just wait for the fireworks, man. Oh, oh, call an Iranian an Arab. He will spend three hours oh. telling you why he's a Persian, much like yeah. a conversation I heard in your garage. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, man. It, it's ooh, ooh. I'm telling you, it, it, dude. People get fired up about that kind of thing. Like outside of the United States, we have this like we have this cartoonish view of of xenophobia and like. It's tied to oppression and oh everything's racist but you can according to you know all the the gender studies and you know ethnic studies professors you can only be racist if you're a white male um or you could be a white woman and and still be racist as well it's, it's just kind of a, a a race to the bottom right but um you know they never like using the term xenophobia because xenophobia is is a different it's a different terminology. The way they define racism is there has to be a power differential in there, right? Um, it, that's what they say. I think it's all bullshit, personally. Um, if you're an asshole to somebody based on based on qualities that they didn't get to choose, right? You you don't you don't get to choose that. Um, you you just you're you're born into it. But um, you know, like like born this way, born right? They, they born this way for you know one context. But I mean, you're, you're born you're born into your race, man. You can't. There's nothing you can do about that. Don't act like an asshole to people. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. Yep. Like you know, But anyway, they 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 take because the thing is, is that ethno nationalism is a very strong thing in cultures that are you know, very, very old, a millennia or, or older that had to, to exist in an existential struggle against an outsider that, that was seeking to, to genocide them. Right. It, it's, there's, there's a whole thing to that. And, and in America, we really don't, we really can't, I mean, sure. Like, like the American Indians, yeah, they, they got a pretty strong case for it. You know, not gonna lie. They do, you know, but that honestly hot take here, but that's about it. You know, nobody, nobody is seriously running around out there in governmental practice in 2023 saying, you know, we need to exterminate all of the people of this one minority group. Like nobody is seriously making that case. It's stupid, right? That's stupid. You know, and and I know that that, that video um, is circulating yet again from C-SPAN. It was a professor, was a professor from here in North Carolina. He um, was an NC State African Studies professor. Man, that that was back in two thousand five. That dude has long since removed himself from the gene pool. He is still teaching in other places, but he got shit canned from from NC State. Um, it is what it is, man. But but he's not. This isn't a guy who is in a position of power in governance that is enacting policy. Now, you know, do I think such a thing in the United States won't happen at some point? 
yeah, it probably will. Yeah, I mean, we we the writing's on the wall. Like if if some people don't back off of some of this language, yeah, shit could happen, right? But um, you know, we, we ain't there yet. And as far as like all all the the quote unquote trans people that are running around to protect trans kids, there ain't no such thing as a trans kid. Okay, I'm sorry, there ain't no such thing as a trans kid. Shit's made up. It's made up. It's phony. It's, it's, yeah, it's, absolutely, one hundred percent. But this this is something I do want to talk about, though. We'll, we'll take a few more minutes. We'll, we'll discuss this, and then then we'll punch out uh, uh, one hour and twenty two minutes. And it's just the three of us, and and all of you out there uh, that that are in here in the live studio audience. Um, but the lieutenant governor of Minnesota. This is something else I was going to do a show on, and I might do a longer piece on it tomorrow. Uh, the Lieutenant governor of Minnesota, right? I don't remember her name. It's some, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, they all have that like crazy look to them. Like whoever the image consultant is for AOC is also working with this girl because they've rehearsed her body movements and like her, her whole demeanor is the same it's it's like they replicated and politicians do this by the way all of them do this they have image consultants where they rehearse their body language and you know they they were like before they make public appearances thing is is that this girl so she's out there and and she's she's wearing a t-shirt that's got a k-bar on it or it's got a k-bar knife on it and a rose on it Right, so the K-bar knife, we all know what that that represents, right? You've got a rose on it, which has been a long-term, long-duration symbol of um, communist resistance uh, to authority, which yep. I think is really ironic because you know she's a lieutenant governor of the fucking state, you know. So how how are you resisting the the authority? Like you're the you're the fucking lieutenant governor. I don't, I, I'm missing something here. But anyway, I was looking at her shirt and, and it says protect trans kids on it, right? Protect trans kids. And she's like bouncing when she's talking, she's bouncing. Have any of y'all noticed this, that, that they're all doing this? It's like new crop, this like mid thirties crop of liberal women bounce when they talk. Like, I'm sure there's some guys that are doing it, too, on, on the left side of the aisle. But, like, the liberal women bounce when they talk. Like, they're in some fucked up... It's like they're half rapping. Yeah. Yeah, like, like what, what, what is this fucking 90s rap video? The, I mean, like, what are you what are you going to be releasing? Your mixtape? What the fuck are you doing? Um, I, I don't know. But anyway, this is phony. This shit is made up. All right. Kids, prepubescent kids are a product of what you teach them to be. All right. So it, it's, it. I, I've seen some, some people kind of talk about this online. Um, some of them I, I think are getting it right. Some of them are kind of missing the mark a little bit, but it's literally a product of, of culture that is alien to their own being pushed over on them to change them fundamentally from what they would be in a natural state. That's exactly what it is, right? It's, it, it's nothing more, nothing less. And so when they're saying, Hey, we're going to protect trans kids, we're going to protect trans kids and they're doing it. 
you know, they know they they're in on this. This is bullshit, right? They they know it's bullshit. What they're really saying is is that this is a communist revolution. It's the next phase in the communist revolution, and it dovetails with Antifa 2.0, right? That's why they changed their flag. By the way, it was a rainbow flag that wasn't good enough, so now they got another one that's out there. Right? Say so they got a new symbol that's out there. Changes. You always in asymmetric conflict, you always look for changes in symbology, changes in posture, changes in language, and these are all known as action indicators, right? If you're you're a uh, intelligence collector, they are out there. That that's what that is, right? So when she's posing out there. With a black t-shirt on this is protect trans kids on it with a knife on it right she knows damn well that this is all bullshit but she's bouncing she's looking at her eyes man she hitting all there she's a true believer right she's a true believer here's the thing now i saw a piece with uh tudor dixon up in in uh you know your neck of the woods where she was pointing out just how much money is going to the communist chinese this is a symbol of the elite capture that has occurred in the United States government, right? And the communist Chinese, I think, have a heavy hand in all this that are sowing this discord because they're going to take advantage of it. What do y'all think? No, I I, uh, I agree on that wholeheartedly. And I think that's where the bouncing comes from. They're trying to, the bouncing kind of stimulates action, right? I'm so upset about this that I'm just twitching and I can't stop moving. Uh, I, I think that they're trying to subliminally um, instigate action with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think, um, you know, it, it's the exact opposite of, of Jeb's please clap. It's showing enthusiasm for it. You know, you're watching this and you're like, they're bouncing and they're, they're kind of nodding their heads if they're watching it too. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, they're right. No, they're totally right. And I think just that symbology of the excitement is, you know, we're, you know, we're right in this argument and, and we have excitement and energy and, and we're going to make changes. And the, the, the fact that it, it, you know, that shirt had a knife on it, that was, as you put it, was just a little bit of that, that, that underlying message of like, yeah, we're going to do it. And you're associating the, we're going to do, we're going to protect trans kids with that knife. So now, later down the line, if there's any escalation in terms of violence, they've already made that connection between we're protecting trans kids and that knife. Yep. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, man. And, and uh, as somebody pointed out in, in the uh, chat, people bounce when they want you to believe them. 100%. 100%. That's, they, they do that. They become more animated when they want you to believe them. Um, you know, you please agree with me. You see how enthusiastic I am. You, you know, you need to agree with me. But what I will add to that is, is that, She's a hundred percent a true believer. Like there's oh, yeah. not a doubt in my mind. She that that woman believes in her cause, however fucked up and stupid as is as it is, it doesn't matter. Like this is she believes it hundred percent wholeheartedly. 
So it's um, they they're going for it, and this is what I was saying. Like first hour of the show, this is what I was saying: is is that Antifa two What we're seeing, she this woman, this lieutenant governor, that by the way is a product of Antifa one of her that propelled her to get into politics because she's young. I mean, I I don't I don't uh, know exactly how old she is. She's got to be in her mid thirties, got to be. Just, just by the looks, 40 at the oldest, at the oldest. And she's a lieutenant governor. I mean, you know, she, she's got longevity to her. She's going to end up in higher office. That's it's, it's going to be a fact. And when you look at the voting demographics in Minnesota, that's a fucking solid blue state. You know, you ain't changing that. Um, because they, they had demographic change, unfortunately, very similar to what happened in, in uh, Michigan as well. Um, when, when you have, and here's the thing too, when you have a lot of, um, the, the irony of Michigan is, and, and very similar to, to Virginia and here in, in uh, North Carolina as well, and Georgia, by the way, we can't leave Georgia out of the conversation on this. When you have people of every ethnic group that were previously stratified socially, uh, in, in their socioeconomic classes, right? So socioeconomic status and, and they were stratified by that. So like, you know, that's a black neighborhood. This is a white neighborhood. This over here is an Asian neighborhood, so on and so forth. Right. And, and you can kind of tell by the, the, the way the age of the homes there and like what the cars that are in the parking lot, uh, you know, outside the factory, you can kind of tell like where they go home to who they are. Right. Um, as as the the socioeconomic status at the aggregate level comes up, this happened in Michigan. This happened really in Ohio too is another good example. Um, but Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia as well. When you have ec- when, when economic conditions become good and everybody's finances come up. Now you start to have groups that were previously kind of on the lower end of the the, uh, SES spectrum that are getting more wealth. They're going to, this is political science, by the way, they're going to begin to vote more conservatively. And so what do you do at that point? Because the, the case for liberalism becomes very weak at that point. You can't, you know, hey, I don't need to be a government dependent anymore because I'm doing really well and my kids go to a good school now and, you know, they're getting higher positions in management and, you know, they're they're doing well. So what do you do? And that's where liberalism found itself in, in the United States in the 2000s was now we've got to shift away from this working class narrative to going to creating identity groups to exploit because if we don't do that we're, we're going to be in real trouble and you couple that with now we're going to bring in populations who we know are going to begin at the bottom of the ladder we can exploit them as a voting block and th- that that's what happened that's, that, that's happened. how these things always go with the left like for example yep. you see them already turning on their own constituencies like like the trans turning on the gay and you know what i mean yep. it's just going to continue yep. they eat one another until they get a new yep. group in at the bottom it's like dearborn dearborn's a perfect example of that remember yes the, uh, the, the protests in dearborn not that long ago they were going to the school board and yep. absolutely I mean, 
look, man, you, you can you can disagree with them dogmatically, you know, and and I do, and and you know, I, I'm not a Muslim, you know, obviously, you know, I <laughs> red blooded Christian American man, right? You know, but same time, I don't have too much against them either. They're getting out there and they're like, look, we're not putting up with this shit. This is apostate to our religion. We're not putting up with this. And you're going to take this crap out of the curriculum. And there's a massive lesson for everyone to learn there. The left yeah. realized they overstepped when a, when a Christian pastor and an imam walked in together hand in hand and said, yeah. no. Yep. There's a big lesson there. Yep. And that's the thing I mean, is that they, they always overreach because it's always a race on the people who want to be outraged. It's a race to who can be the most offended. And he wants to protect the most of these groups and, be, and just prove to themselves and to the other people that they are, in fact, the truest believer of the true believer of this socialist religion they have. And so... They, they, they're doing it among their circles and themselves. Yeah, yeah, they're going to support us. They're going to support us until they don't. And that's when Dearborn happens. Yep. Now, I mean, it ain't a lasting thing. You know, that's it's one of the things like we, we ain't going to magically be running around singing Kumbaya and, and, you know, loving one another all of a sudden. That ain't going to happen. Okay. That ain't, that ain't, yeah, no. that ain't never happened. It ain't going to happen. But, but, you know, take it as an example, like this is an effective model for, for fighting the left. Um, you know, there's other conversations we can have later on down the road and we will, we will. But the thing is too, that the people really need to pay attention to is look at where we are. Like, look at how far the argument shifted in just five years, like just five years. Look at, look at how far it shifted. Where does it go from here? You know, like th this is that to me, that's the biggest, you know, kind of wake up alarm that, that I can think of to point out to people is look at how far things shifted in just five years, five years from now, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be? I mean, I think within five years, um, it's either going to have gone super, super south and we're talking about the fracturing of society to the point where, you know, it's what we've been all basically been preparing for. Or they've done exactly what you described in the 90s where they overstepped and suddenly there's a slight swing back to the more classic liberalism, which now would be considered to the left like moderate conservatism, but swinging back, the pendulum swinging the other way slightly because of the overstep. I think there's only, it depends how much they want to burn it down to get their goal. You know, if all of a sudden they're pushing, 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 and they no longer have the public support they need, you know, then maybe that starts to dry up. But if they still have an underlying somewhat broad base of support for the policies, then I think it becomes too much of a difference between, you know, the side that wants this and the side that doesn't. And I think that's when things really, the shit really kicks off. Well, and I think Stan has a point when he says in five years you'll be living in a Bronze Age village. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Entirely possible. 100%. <laughs> 
I, I ain't gonna go that far, man. I don't know. He he Stan Stan is a national treasure. I think he is one of the most intelligent people that I've ever talked to. Which is quite a compliment because I have a lot of really smart people that I talk to that come to class, that I interact with on a regular basis, that are just like, man, wow, you know, dudes I, like I have, I, I get that blessing of, of being able to talk to legitimate bona fide geniuses on a, on a regular basis. And, it, and it's, it's awesome. But um, Stan is definitely one of the most intelligent people that I have ever been able to interact with. I've ever had the pleasure to interact with. I don't think that we're going to be living in a stone age, bronze age existence though. I, it, we're, we're not, we're, we're not going to revert back in all cases to, you know, living, living in the stone age by and large are, well, I will say this, is there going to be an adjustment in how people live? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's we're, we're going to return to a feudal society for sure. Um, we, we have this weird social structure in America that is, um, that's that's not natural you know it's it's not natural it's not natural for uh people if if you look at every uh society on earth it's not natural for people to individually self-relocate in in all these different places you know and we do that because we don't have to worry about like by and large we don't have to worry about agriculture we don't have to like individually, We unless we just elect to, we don't really have to worry about that as a culture. We don't have to worry about, um, you know, the, the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We don't like we, we, we haven't in like on a case by case basis, we haven't reached uh, the self-actualization. But at the same time, um, you know, people are uh, with mass communication being what it is. We can we can kind of elect to go to all these different corners of, of you know the United States, like you know you could be living in in California, I could be living in North Carolina, you know, and and we keep up with one another instantaneously. I mean, the three of us in here are in you know very different corners of the United States, and and we're talking to one another in real time. The thing is, is that when those means go away, and there the internet of things is not going to go away, but it's viability to be reliant upon it for all things will. And that, yeah, I think I, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is coming quickly. That, that aspect of things is coming quickly. And, um, you know, if, if people have a hard time wrapping their mind around technology, uh, the, the technology of government surveillance like I was talking about in the beginning of the show. If you're having a hard time wrapping your mind around that quantum computing, I'm telling you, that's the one that is, that's going to lose a whole lot of people because our ideas of encryption. And I've said this in the past, you know, I, I I've said like, you know, People that, that are running around out here, um, you know, running their radios and stuff and, you know, catch these little little fuckers online that are like, 
oh, you know, I could be using DMR for all my stuff. It's got encryption. It's like, okay, well, you didn't pay attention to, like, any of the actual means of how you implement your equipment. And your encryption is not is anywhere near as secure as you think it is. Oh, but, but, but it's a yes. Well, just because it's not in the public domain that AES has been broken, it doesn't mean that somebody hasn't done it. All right. Quantum computing. Quantum computing is a thing. And it, it's a very real thing. And at, if you don't think like what what we're being told now, right, what we're being told now, what's being put out in public is already old data for what's been done on the governmental side. And in the United States, what we're being told is what the United States is capable of. We don't know what China has been working on, but I can tell you this, that everything we've been working on, China already got their hands on it. Because if you didn't learn everything there was to know about China's penetration of our graduate level research, and a lot of that is done governmentally, it's the fact that when we blame China for the release of the coronavirus, that there was a patent on it, the UNC Chapel Hill in 2015, how do you think it got to China? Chinese graduate students, right? This, this is, and again, this is one of those things that people can't wrap their fucking mind around of like, but, but, but our government's supposed to be so good. And that, like, dude, you have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea the level that, that China has been performing in stealing our research and our technology taking it back to China where we have no real intelligence activity that is penetrating what they're doing because we don't. All right. The shit's not James Bond, man. This we're not very good at what we do. All right. It's, it's, I mean, I hate to break it to everybody, man, but we're not, we're not as good at what we do is what we think is what America likes its people to think. And they are, what they are working on, I know that what we are working on, just the, the tip of the iceberg with that, and think about the possibilities there, China's probably taken all of that and added quite a bit more to it. And they're very, very good at what they do, right? They are very good at what they do. I'm not saying it's not without its weaknesses, because it absolutely is, okay? But when you're talking quantum computing and you're talking encryption, there's proper ways to do it, but when you're relying only on an electronic means to support said encryption, you're, you're, it's a whole lot of trust there that you're putting into something that you can't look under the hood on and know exactly what it is doing, and they can because they built the devices, okay? They built the devices. Let that sink in. And I'm, I'm being real specific here. I don't give a shit how much money you spent on your radios, quote unquote. If they built the devices and you're relying on its internal encryption methods, China probably put a backdoor in that, a software-based backdoor, okay? That's why I teach physical encryption in class, 
That's why I do what I do. That's why I put physical encryption in there, in the book, right? In in the Baofeng book, The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio. That's why it's in there. Because that sidesteps any chance that there's back doors into any piece of equipment out there. And you can use those principles for any communications method, by the way. It, it's not isolated to a Baofeng radio. So it, it's... It boggles my mind as so many people out there are just, you know, willing to, to, oh, but blah, 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 the, you know, whatever mental cope mechanism that they have, uh, jumping through hoops or whatever, man. It's like, dude, you, you don't know what you don't know. And that's a real damn dangerous place to be when, um, when I'm staking my life on something. I don't want to not know what I don't know. I, I want to be in 100% control because I don't know, man. I really like living. I really like living. Because when I win, I, when I'm living, I can win, right? We're going to win so much. We're going to win so much. You're going to get tired of winning. And then we're going to win some more. We're going to win so much. They're going to say, why do you keep winning? And I say, I don't know. We just keep winning. I don't even know. We're going to keep winning. We're just going to keep winning. We're going to win so much. And they're going to tell me, Donald, Donald, why do you win so much? We're tired of winning so much. I'm going to say we're going to win so much. You won't even believe it. You won't even believe it. Oh. <laughs> I do miss that. Yeah. I do. I, I will say that the, the one great thing about Trump is his trolling. His his trolling, dude. So somebody sent me, you know, uh, ten minutes left on the show. Uh, somebody sent me yesterday a thread that was that absolutely had me in stitches, man. And, and yesterday I kind of needed. It. I rolled the shit out of my ankle yesterday and came down hard, and that that sucker's still swollen up today. And uh, so I've been kind of hobbling around and like working on editing the book and everything. But so I, you know, I needed a good laugh yesterday. Um, Cause man, I, I came down hard. Like I rolled the shit out of my left ankle, came down hard on like drove it, it brought me down, like, like came down on my right knee, like drove it right into some rocks, like, like big ass rocks. I got lying in the driveway, man. I can't I, like, I, I ate it, man. And uh, so I was hurting. But I, so I needed a good laugh. And uh, this thread, man, it was like, what, what are the, the funniest presidential quotes of all time? Dude, dude. So I just, I have to read this one. I, cause I kept coming back to it and it was the funniest. I think this might be the funniest Donald Trump tweet of all time. All right. Of all time, and I'm dead serious here. I'm gonna, I, I gotta pull this thing. I don't have it pulled up because I literally have no show notes. We've been doing, you know, going on two hours now. It, yeah, one hour forty nine minutes, one hour fifty minutes of just, just uh, um, off the cuff. Oh, come on. Come While on. you're looking for that, I have a question for Patriot Man. This is the first time I've talked to him since the blessed event. Uh, I recall a night, Patriot Man. It was dark and not very stormy. 
Uh, you said you were going to kill me. And I don't believe that that's what happened. I believe I snuck in between your lines and killed everyone on your team. Because that, uh, that, yeah, if you're talking happened? about the night up, that's because I was monitoring comms and battle tracking up at the talk. That's why. Uh-huh. No. That's so the best say, excuse you got, huh? I will say you did vent at me while I was standing there nine o'clock at night with a glass of whiskey in my hands and you just walked through I was in the middle of a conversation with your rubber training knife and so you you never said it was going to happen during the battle you said you would get me that weekend and you did and I did and I did but uh, anyway it was a good time that was, that was I had a, really a great time, time hanging out with yeah, everybody that was a lot of fun my liver may have recovered by now <laughs> why now I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking Avalor. It's delicious. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was I was drinking last night too on the show. It was, it was uh, so much fun. Why is the Twitter app? The Twitter app is telling me you can't recover tweets right now. I don't know. I have to talk to Elon about this. Um, I was using Starlink at the beginning of the show, and it said my audio was getting a little choppy. Uh, so it's probably because I've, I've got a lot of trees here because I live out in the middle of the woods. And so it's it's great for most of the data streaming, but it is it can be a little uh, can be a little little choppy uh, sometimes like getting in, into the evening hours for whatever reason. But um, anyway, the, the tweet was about Barney Frank. And, and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew yes. which one it was. Savage, dude. It's, Body he's, he's a fat slob and he wore that awful blue shirt before Congress. It's very, very disrespectful. <laughs> Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, 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 this is what it is. Hold on. Um, <clears throat> Barney Frank looked disgusting, nipples protruding, in his blue yes. shirt before Congress. Very, very disrespectful. <laughs> so good. I just had to. I just had to look down and make sure mine were not protruding. Oh god! Just, protruding like oh. And the best part of that—that that tweet was in 2011. You know, it's proof that if you're a billionaire, you can give zero f's about anything. Oh my god! Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that's a good one. Oh. But as soon as you said your favorite one, I was like, "It has to be the Barney oh. Frank one. It has to be." <laughs> so good, Barney Frank. <clears throat> oh god! No, he was tied up um, with the SVB scandal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Of course he is. Bernie Bernie Frank is part and parcel of of uh, congressional inside trading. You know, uh, all pigs are or all animals are created equal, but some pigs are created more equal. Um, he, that, that's Bernie Frank to a T. I mean, you know, they're not going to investigate him for insider trading. They're not going to investigate, um, you know, and and let's call it down the middle. Richard Burr, Republican from the great state of North Carolina. Yep. Talk about him too. Insider trading, and then he announces his retirement the next day. Well, I'm I'm just going to retire. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Bullshit. Bullshit. Rules for me, but not rules for thee. All right. It is. Oh man. It's good. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yes, sir. But with that said, five minutes left on the clock. Time for some advertisements because that is what. Keeps the lights all around here. Jack Lawson, Civil Defense Manual. Civil Defense Manuals Volume 1 and 2 out there. I wrote the communications chapter in it. A lot of great contributions to that book. If you don't own it already, I've been talking about it for literally years now. And as a uh, little special insight, me writing the chapter in that book is actually what made my subsequent books possible. Um. I really didn't, you know, I hadn't even really thought too much about writing uh, a book or like any, any of that stuff. And, and it really wasn't on my radar at the time. And, and uh, when he approached me about writing a communications article for that, I ended up, uh, you know, writing this whole big thing that was in it. I think it ended up being like 14 pages long or something like that is, I mean, it was a huge, huge thing. And, uh, he went on the David Knight show when that book launched. Now he's been featured on the David Knight show uh, several times. I love David Knight by the way. Absolutely love him. Um, been a, been a huge fan of his for a really long time now. And, um, you know, he, he gave me big props when he went on there. And uh, really, really talked up the the communications chapter, and I've always been very, very deeply honored by that, and um, you know can't appreciate that enough. So uh, you know, civildefensemanual.com, you can get that over there. Of course, the man, the myth, the legend, in here in the room with us right now, I'll serenade you with praise, which is hard earned, brother. But Joe Dolio, wisdom series, which he shall Ooh. have, you shall have. Uh, TW-05, I know, is in the works. Yeah, I did uh, four chapters done this week. We're going to we're gonna crank out the rest here pretty darn quick. Man. I know you will, too, man. You're quick. You're quick on getting stuff out there. Like, you know, th- that's one thing. Unlike, unlike a lot of people, myself included. All right, I'm guilty of this, too. But unlike a lot of people. Mark, Sibley, gonna... we're talking about you. Oh, I love Mark, though. I love Mark. But, but you know, some people, they talk about they're working on a book, and then, like, you know, years down the road, like, well, I'm still working on a book. You know, like, I'm guilty of that, too. So, it's, it, you know, things things happen, man. Life happens. But you, you, my friend, my brother, my comrade in arms, when you say I'm kicking a book out, it's like that thing is, is like, 90% done. Like before you let the world even know, I remember we, I was talking to you on one podcast and it, I was like, he's got three volumes set out there. And you're like, no, 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 no. I just launched number four. And I'm like, damn, when? That is like, true. Oh, that is true. I had a little delay with this one because I kind of let the world bother me, but, but we've shut that out and we're cranking it out right now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Getting it done. Of course, blacksmith publishing. Blacksmith Publishing, my friends, Paul LeFaber and Mike Blackburn. I was just on with them on their podcast, The Pinelander, 
earlier this week. That episode should have aired already. I'm going to be posting that up on AmericaPartisan.org as well. We were talking finances, and I gave a big shout-out to uh, Goldback in that episode. Have absolutely no financial relationship with Goldback whatsoever. Did have the founder and company owner on the podcast, though. And all I'm telling you is, is what I do. Okay, from my own experience, I can tell you what I do. You know, this this is my practices. This is what I use. And, and I talked about that in that episode because a lot of upheaval in the economic markets right now, a lot of cause for concern. And um, how I navigate that financial storm as kind of a hedge in, in my day-to-day life, how, you know, I, I'm kind of set up for success and, um, you know, so there's a lot of good stuff in there, kind of broach the topic of how, you know, when, when you have people in, maybe in your mutual assistance group, um, you know, kind of getting into more of the community defense model, how are you going to keep those people paid? Cause people don't work for free. All right. Especially if you're asking them to go into harm's way, they don't do it for free. All right. The goodness of their heart only lasts for so long. So how are you going to keep your man supplied? How are you going to keep them paid? All right, so I, we we kind of dive into that a little bit. Of course, they have a unique experience, um, you know, both being SF vets, uh, career SF vets, teaching at the SF schoolhouse. Um, another big quick shout out that I want to give to my friend and uh, uh, who will be an, a guest on uh, more frequently in the near future, Brian Morris. Brian Morris, uh, retired master sergeant from uh, a couple of different SF groups out there. And um, he just launched yesterday his second book, The Green Beret's Guide to Bushcraft. So definitely pick one of those up. I put a link up on AmericanPartisan.org earlier today. All right. So definitely want to pick that book up. And of course, he's got The Green Beret's Guide to Survival as well that is out there. Another really highly rated uh, book. And now when he reached out to me, I was very honored by that. Um, I have his book on my bookshelf. I've had it for a couple of years now. And, and so I was kind of surprised that he lives not too far away from me and I uh, got him on a podcast. Anyway, with that said, 10% off sale on all t-shirts as a thank you to all of you out there. Brushbeater.store. Get up on there, get the logo gear and the merchandise. With that said, God bless. Thanks for being with us for yet another Sons of Liberty live show. And I will be talking to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout.